0: An idea of this series is that that mission of God is also the same to which we have been sent, to which he, we have a part to play, to which we have a role in. If we are created anew in Christ, then the mission of God is the normal Christian life for us. It's the natural and normal way to live. Something radical happens when Jesus enters into our life. Everything changes. There is a shift. When we are reborn and and call ourselves disciples of Him, it is changed forever. Life changes. There's a shift. Something amazing happens. And as we continue on the the journey that God has placed before us, it's it's like we're changed from glory to glory. Who thought I could be more glorious than what I am? The person you spoke to just before, who thought they could be more glorious than what they already are? You know, Annie Maureen there, she's going to be even more glorious tomorrow than what she is today. And her friend sitting next to her, Mrs. Derrington, Claire is going to be more glorious tomorrow than she is today. The changing work of God changes us from glory to glory discovering new aspects of God and His mission is the heart of what we're on about, that process of glory to glory. Are you still learning new things about God? Are you still discovering new things about Him? Are you still hearing something that captures your heart? Let's be honest, when was the last time you were completely buzzed out by the Lord? Does everyone understand that term, buzzed out? Josh says, "No, I need to get with the younger people's lingo." When was the last time you were just, "Oh wow," it just overwhelmed you, it flooded over you? I remember the first time. That was the wrong language. Let me restart that phrase. I remember my honeymoon, <laughs> and uh, with Beck. Getting on the plane together for the first time. Renting a car together for the first time. Travelling around, discovering a new land for the first time. Staying in different hotels and eating for the first time. I remember all of these first time experiences and just being completely buzzed out in that moment. Completely buzzed out. The ongoing work of the mission of God causes us to encounter something new, to discover something new in God. You can never reach the end of our Lord. In the same way I can never reach the end of knowing my wife either. There's a mystery that's attached there. There's a mystery to our Heavenly Father that allows me to engage myself fully in Him and never reach the end of Him. There's discoveries to be made there's a the first time I went on a missions trip, I remember being overwhelmed by these people crying as they worshipped God. These people fervently and prayed, desperate for the power of God to move in a situation where there was no other hope. I just remember being shifted in that moment. I remember being reading the Word of God and it, and it just washing over my heart in such a way that I, I just had to pull over in my car. I was listening to Deuteronomy when Moses says, God, can I please go to the promised land? And, and God said, no, don't speak of it anymore. I remember just pulling over. Just something hit me. See, as I described that to you, you're going, yeah, that's good, Ben. But for me, it was so real. It was so powerful. It was something tangible. I discovered something in God in that moment. The discovery of God is something that we ought to be on about forever, for the rest of our lives. You see, God has concealed things, and it's for us to discover them. Proverbs speaks about that. God has concealed things for you. God is waiting for you to discover something about Him. Wait if you discover something new about Him. The wisdom of mission is that we're to leave our world with a leap of faith. A leap of faith that transfers us from our space into His space. A bigger world. His world. And when we get into that bigger world, we realise that our world was never ours anyway. It was all His. God wants me in His fish pond. God wants me and expects me to jump into His fish pond. Why does He expect me to jump? Because He's enabled me and created me to do so. Jesus is alive in me, and the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead is here. So I can make that leap of faith because of Him. You see, it's not about me, as Warwick said today, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about Him. So on that basis, I can take a leap of faith and trust that God will enable me to enter into what He has for me, to enter into His mission. Being on God's mission is wisdom because God has chosen us. See, it reminds me that I haven't chosen myself. God has actually chosen me. God has chosen you. Turn to someone and say, God's chosen you. I mean, we say it so flippantly, but those words are really very, very powerful. That concept is so powerful that it anchors you. You see, it's not about me. God has chosen me. It's not about you. God has chosen you. You are chosen. You are chosen. You are chosen. The wisdom of mission is that I am reminded that it's not about me. Without mission, I can very easily slip into just thinking it's about me. You see the size of that little fish pond? It's very easy for me just to slip into that space and live there quite happily for the rest of my life. The wisdom of mission causes me to rise up and leap out into something bigger, something more. You see, we've been given every good gift, as Jeremy shared this morning. Every good gift. What does the Lord want us to do with that good gift? He wants us to surrender it, to give it away not to hold on to it, not to kind of keep it to ourselves. I love the Billy Graham example that we've spoken about a few times. A woman was asked what she does and she says, I'm a disciple, undercover as a machine operator in a factory. Uh, it's so easy to write that off as Christian cliche. But yet the truth of that is absolute Absolute, we are disciples, but God has placed us in certain places so that we might be disciples in that place, so that we might be on mission in that place. Everywhere you go, God has given that to you. Everywhere your footsteps, it's given to you. It's quite possible that not everything happens by chance. Maybe God has ordained something, Something to occur in that moment where you will have the opportunity to share, to witness. We're disciples. I love that. Wisdom of Mission series because God is about mission. And it's His wisdom that He has sent us to also be on that mission. It causes our faith to rise. Faith isn't an optional extra for those on mission, it's a necessity. Let's explore this issue just a bit further. I want to introduce you to the La Grande K. That was all the French I've got. Bonjour. It's also known as the Big K. Now, this hunk of gleaming metal is kept in a temperature controlled environment in France. It's a hunk of platinum and iridium, and it determines the, the weight or the value of a kilo. I had no idea. All I know is that I put the apples on the scale to work out what a kilo is. I'm convinced the scales in my bathroom is a liar. (laughs) I never thought about how do you know what a kilo is. I never had any idea. But a problem has arisen that over the past few years they've occasionally brought out the original, the original hunk of metal of a kilo and they've measured it And compared it against the copies that were made to check kilos around the world. And what they discovered was that there was a discrepancy. They couldn't work out if the real kilo was actually losing weight or the copied kilos were putting on weight. Now, how much weight are we talking about, Jim? A grain of salt. Have you put on a grain of salt this week, Jim? A grain of salt a grain of salt, and so they're not happy with the grain of salt difference. Why is this happening? They're not sure. In fact, by definition, it can't happen because that is a kilo. Even if they shaved off the edge of that unit there, that would be the definition of a kilo and every other scale would have to be adjusted. Isn't that interesting? So they've come up with a solution. They've come up with a, a silver bullet, a scientific silver bullet They're using Planck's constant and a couple of methods to essentially create a better constant for measuring a kilo. I'm not going to bore you with the science of that, but there's still a slight problem. There's one in a a hundred millionth of an issue of discrepancy or possible error. In fact, they've said that it's about a third of an eyelash you pull out an eyelash right now everyone just grab an eyelash if you're a bit sleepy here's a chance to wake yourself up just grab a chunk of eyelashes yank it out cut it into a third and that is the issue of discrepancy but stefan Slaminger, Slaminger, he's the leader of the national institute of standards and measurement this is what he said that's the thing in science there's no such thing as perfection there's always random effects And there's always a little bit of scatter. And you have to decide essentially, is it good enough? Is a third of an eyelash good enough for us? And that's the decision they've made. Yes, it is good enough. We will call that a kilo. I was working at BP as an 18-year-old on the console and stocking shelves, and it paid for the petrol in my LJ Tirana. And as I would work there, occasionally, an audit team would arrive to the bowser. And what they would do is they would test how much petrol was coming out of the filler. Because the screen tells you how much petrol, one litre, 20 litres, 60 litres. But is it really 60 litres? How do you know? I don't even think about it. Who else thinks about that? You ever pump gas and fuel petrol and go gee, I wonder if I'm really getting my litres. I've never thought about it. I just go and do it. And my petrol station, one occasion, paid a big fine because we were out. We were ripping people off. We were making money for the man. And I didn't even know it. There are big fines in place where the scales don't measure up, where things aren't right. But we just trust these things. We just kind of go ahead with these things. The company essentially said, yeah, that's that's about good enough. Yeah, that's about right. It's about there. And the audit team comes to a place where it goes, yeah, that's close enough. That's about right. I just wonder sometimes if, as Christians, we can adopt a similar attitude. What I'm doing, the way I think, the way I am, that's good enough. That's okay. I wonder if we struggle with the same issue. It's just, it's good enough. It's close enough. it's, It's a third of an eyelash. I'm, I'm nearly there. And then the question is, how do you even think about even asking or contemplating that question? That's the wisdom of the mission of God. Being on mission for God creates that question in our life. Being on mission for God creates that opportunity to go where we are into something that is constant, to move from something that we think is good enough to something that we know is good enough. You see, it's time for us to no longer just be unintentional about living. Being on mission for God, being a part of what He's doing, means that we know exactly what we're doing. He is the constant. What He says goes. It is not up to us to pick and choose. What the Word of God says and His mission and what we see in Christ is the normal Christian life. It's not up to us to pick and choose. It's possible to be in church, but not to be engaged in the mission of God. I mean, Paul's letters are rarely written to people who don't know Christ. They're essentially written to churches that have lost alignment with the mission. They're written to churches and people that have lost alignment with the heart of God. Would you agree? Paul spends a lot of time addressing the idea of true discipleship. Too many Christians get stuck living just enough. That's not the way it's meant to be for us. Our own human logic and thinking is not where we're supposed to be. Good enough is not enough for us. It's possible to lose our first love. And I'm sure you all know people who maybe aren't in church anymore, who for a long time just rocked up themselves, but really, the first love was gone. It's interesting that In Revelation, John writes to a church at Ephesus, and this is what he said. I know you work hard, and I know you've persevered. I know you can't tolerate the wicked things around about you. I know you've not grown weary, yet I hold this against you. You've lost your first love. Everything else is going humming along right. Everything else is great. But where's your first love? What's challenging your first love? Where's your first love? Does Christ have the priority and and the place in your life where it is really number one? where you can't wait to get to church because that is the fellowship of believers. That is where you engage with God. You're not sitting there waiting for the pastor to serve up a meal to you, but you're there engaged fully with God, enjoying your own meal with Him. And we're all doing that together. And something special happens when we do that. When we do that. You see, somehow the scales of the church of Ephesus got a bit mixed up. Somehow the scales got a bit lost. Somehow they settled for, yeah, that's about right. That's about enough. It's called mission drift. To love the Lord means to pursue the Lord. To pursue the Lord means to pursue His mission, to pursue His calling. Too many have mission drift. Ultimately, people walk away because they're no longer engaged with what God's engaged with. They've inadvertently become a consumer rather than someone who's on mission for Christ. Being a Christian consumer is a dangerous place for us to be. We're not meant to be there. We're not meant to be there. One of the beautiful ways to witness to one another is to be truly passionate about our God. Are you passionate about Him? you just love Jesus? Is that Can I see that? Is it tangible for me? Is it tangible for the person sitting next to you? Can I really see that you are in love with Christ? Is it tangible? Is it real? Are we in love with Him? Are we in love with His person? Are we in love with His mission? Because I say this, you can't love Jesus if you don't love what He does and what He has done. And what He's asked us to do. They can't be divided. We can't compartmentalize those things. We love Christ and we love what He's asked us to do. That's why we're called disciples. We're called to follow Him, to pursue Him. You see, the battle for us is separating Jesus and His mission. The battle for us is separating ourselves from the mission of God. This is a battle. And when that happens, how do we measure what we do? How do we know if we're giving the right things the right priority and the right time? How do we know if we're doing the right things with what we've been given? How do we know but for the mission of God? How do we know? How do we know? Without being disciples on mission for the Lord, all we have at best is an unintentional set of our own weights and scales. That's the best we can have. Essentially, weights and scales that say, yeah, that's good enough. That's good enough. But that's not the way for the followers of Jesus. That's not the way for Him. This is a great quote from a theologian called J.I. Packer. It says this about wisdom. Wisdom is the power to see, the inclination to choose, the best and highest goal, together with the surest means of attaining it. Are you seeing and choosing the best and highest goal for your life? You see, that requires the surest means of attaining it. And the only surest means that I can think of is Jesus. I mean, we've all tried ourselves at some stage. Maybe we still are from time to time. But Christ is the only surest means. Because the goal that's been set is from Him. It's His mission. So we need Christ to be on His mission. The life of Christ and the mission of God wasn't just a good enough event. It was perfect in every way. Perfect in every way. The wisdom of mission is for us, the Christian life. Wisdom and mission belong to God. God is the best and highest goal. Whatever He does is the best and highest goal. His riches allow us to attain that highest goal. Anything we have is from Him. His power is absolute. The wisdom of mission is that Jesus is sent. Word became flesh to seek and save the lost. And now we are sent also. I want to just quickly give seven points about mission. The first point is that mission is who we are. Mission is who we are. Jesus said this. He said, I have come to seek and save the lost. I have come to establish, model, grow the kingdom. And and now I send you. Now I send you. Now I send you to go and to preach the good news. Jesus says this to us. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature That includes your little dog, Leone. Every creature, that's how I read that. Then uh, Luke chapter 14, Jesus says, Go into the highways and hedges, compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. In Matthew 28, Jesus says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Acts chapter 1 says... Um, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in His own authority, but you shall receive power of the Holy Spirit, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and South Australia, and the end of the earth. 1 Peter says, But in your hearts revere Christ. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone. To anyone. Do you have an answer ready? Matthew 5 says, you are a light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Mark 8 says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Paul and Silas were on a mission. And it's contained in the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 16 to 14. I'm just going to pull some scriptures out of that passage And I encourage you to read the story of Paul and Silas when they went to prison. It's a great story. The second point I want to say is that mission invades darkness. In verse 16 of this passage of Paul and Silas, this is what it says. Uh, Once they were going to the place of prayer where we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. When God puts you on mission, which we all are, we will encounter darkness. We will encounter things that aren't right in the world. We will encounter problems and issues. In fact, Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, we don't struggle against flesh and blood and the share market. We struggle against rulers and authorities and the powers of the darkness and against spiritual forces." Being on mission for God means we are pushing back darkness. The Kingdom of God advances, and that advance means something else is being pushed back. Something else is being pushed back. Paul and Silas encountered this straight away. The third point I want to say is that mission is sometimes uncomfortable. Verses 19 to 24, when her owners realized that the hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. You know, sometimes you can upset the wrong people with the gospel. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel a bit uncomfortable when I say the name Jesus or God. Does anyone else feel that? You know, what'd you do on Sunday? Oh, I'm in a trash. Does anyone else feel that? You just know this is the moment to speak about Jesus, and all of a sudden the weight of the world falls upon you. I don't think I can do it. I, 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 I forgot that verse. What's that verse? We're all sinners. Righteousness, faith. Ah, oh, it's gone. Too late. Next time, Lord. Do you ever feel the weight? I don't have time. I'm too busy. What if? What if they want a board prayer, and I'm and I'm really late, and I've got to get. Mo- Do you ever feel the weight come upon you? Mission is sometimes uncomfortable. I mean, we shouldn't be surprised though, should we? We shouldn't be surprised that mission should make us a little bit uncomfortable. I think that's one of the aspects of wisdom of mission. It keeps us at an edge where we have to come before God and say, Lord, help me. That has got to be my favourite prayer of all time. Help me, help, help. Witness may cost your reputation, you may feel rejection, you may feel some pushback. Even at the Norwood pageant, no one rushes up, wants to carry the sign, you know, Jesus is Lord of all, or the churches of... There's no rush, please let me carry that sign. Have you noticed that? No? You know, what if I see someone in the parade... And I do. I don't know many people. You would know many more. You know, carrying a sign, you see that person who knows you. Mission is a bit uncomfortable at times, isn't it? Hebrews chapter 10 says, you've suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted conf... Confiscation? I can't say that word. Confiscation. Confiscation of your property. Because you knew that you yourselves had a better and lasting possession. So don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. The wisdom of mission means that we're reminded that what we're on about, there's a far greater reward waiting. It's what the Bible says. I need to know that because I feel the pressure of what I have and do now so I need to remember that the mission I'm on, God's got me covered. I will never, I will never be left unfairly done by. God is fair and just and His Word says that He'll take care of me, even if it's a bit uncomfortable now. Because we know there's a rich reward waiting for us, it should affect the way we make decisions here on earth. Would you agree with that? Because we know of what is to come, it should change the way we hold on to things. As Jeremy said, we should realize that we have got something good to offer and to share, and we can give it away because of the rich reward that we already have and is to come. Number four, mission produces hope. At about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them work of the Holy Spirit is always in the place where mission is happening. When I go on a missions trip, something just happens to me and it's not me. When when, when I go and take a step and it's uncomfortable to witness or to share, something just happens to us. The Holy Spirit is at work, the Holy Spirit is in that place. Somehow hope rises have you, ever, have you ever faced a situation where you've been on mission and you're just coming together and you're sharing something with another? You say, listen, would you just pray with me? I'm really believing for such and such to come and know the Lord. And as you pray together, the hope builds in your heart. The expectation rises. Together and with others, it's it's like something takes place. that As I'm on the mission of God, this hope of, of Christ enters into my heart again and again. And I'm lifted up. And all of a sudden, the expectation that I have in Him, I'm now seeing the possibilities. I'm starting to see what Jesus sees. Mission produces hope. Paul says in Romans 5, "...since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through Lord Jesus Christ." Through him we gain access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. Character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, but God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. You see, Paul and Silas were beaten, they were bleeding, they were in an awkward position, held in chains, and they were praying and singing? Something happens when we're on mission, something changes when we're on mission, everything changes, that's the wisdom of mission, it lifts us from our natural thinking, we jump into a bigger pond and faith engages, where even when we're in chains, we can pray and sing songs. And then mission surprises us. Verse 26, suddenly there was a violent earthquake. That um, Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. When we're on the mission of God, we give Him room to surprise us. God has room to do what God can only do. And we get to witness that and to watch that. Finally, mission calls us to grow the kingdom. Verse 29, says, The jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That is, that is one of the most incredible buzz moments that we need to have over and over again. What a joy it is to lead someone to the Lord. What a joy it is to be there with them as they accept Him as Lord and Saviour. What a joy it is to be with them in that moment where you can see on their face that something has changed, that the King of glory has entered into their hearts and they've called Him Saviour. And all this happened in a prison. What a joy that is, What a passion that must do. We all need to experience that. One day I'm going to write a thesis on how the joy of salvation is something that sustains us. In other words, the joy of salvation where I'm participating and witnessing the salvation moment of a person somehow that blesses me and sustains me forever. It does something to me like nothing else can to witness and be in that moment where you have the privilege to lead someone to Christ. That is one of the most beautiful things you will ever, ever do. And once you've done it, you will just want to do it more and more and more and more. Mission grows the kingdom. The wisdom of mission is that the Word has become flesh. That's you, that's me, that's us. Let's watch a video clip and then we'll close.
1: Maceo Day, the mission of God. It is here, it is now, and it is moving. This is more than a story or a rehearsal. This isn't lip service. It is about living God's mission today. The mission of God's intimate relationship with all of creation, expressed through the life of Christ. It's an invitation to embrace God's unfolding vision. That Christ made living. It's been here from the beginning. Maceo Day is a moving mission of discovery and healing and hope. An agenda of significance for all who answer yes to the call to serve. Every encounter with God is an opportunity for exploration and growth. Maceo Day is living the message with the community every aspect of it, embracing the world around us. Our home, work, neighborhood, church, school, park, street corner, grocery store, phone call, bus ride, everything. The hope of wholeness is a promise, but we must look outside our doors. God is outward moving. It is expanding, growing, and connecting. In a separated world, that constant relational impulse of Christ's mission creates connectedness and hope. Missio Dei. God's love is enduring and persistent, drawing us together through the Holy Spirit. Through the living body of Christ, we become one. Missio Dei. God's vision, Christ's mission. The word must become flesh.
0: It goes beyond what the world can. The world can't even get a kilo sorted. I'm going to pray. I just wonder if you'd stand. And if in your heart there is a sense that what have I got to offer? If if in your heart there's a sense of I, I can't say anything, I don't know what to do. I know Ben's on about this again and again it feels like but what can I do? i, I I, I don't know what I can do. Maybe you feel like you don't think you can do anything. There's nothing that you can do. I, I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for you this morning. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have called us to your mission. That, Lord, you have sent us just as you were sent. That, Lord, in every moment we can see you at work. Lord, in every situation, we can see that you've already gone before us. Lord, on the bus, in the car, Lord, at the shopping center or the school, the workplace, or in my own family. Lord, you have gone before me and you have prepared the way. So Lord, help us and remind us that the Jesus in us is bigger and greater than me. And that as I allow Jesus to grow and become bigger, and as I myself become smaller, Lord, so you can have your way with my life. Help me to trust you, Lord. Lord, don't let the lie of the enemy be my story, where I'm not good enough, and I don't have it right, and I don't have the words, and I, and I can't say it in the right way, and no one comes across my path. Lord, I speak against that lie of the enemy who would accuse your people and say that you've got nothing to offer and there's nothing that you can say or do. Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would reveal to us that first love. That first love when we first met Jesus, the overwhelming impact and sense of when Jesus came into our lives, what that did to us. Lord, remind us of our first love. Lord, pour Yourself into our hearts. Let us receive what You say about us. Let us receive and see who we are in Christ. Let us see ourselves as those who are saved by the precious blood of the Lamb, the Lamb who comes to save the lost. Lord, let us from that standpoint go about mission. Let us from that starting point take steps into the world every day, expectant, The opportunity, Lord, to glorify your name and to speak about you, to witness you. Lord, let us have a prayer in our heart that everywhere we step, Lord, we're saying, send me another. Bring someone across my path, Lord. Lord, who can I speak to today about the hope of glory? Who can I give an answer for the hope that I have in my heart today? How can I share about you? Father, I thank you for the wisdom of mission. And Lord, finally, because you have called each one of us, Lord, Lord, you've equipped us with every good thing. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. Bless, Lord, each person here as we wrestle again with discovering anew your mission. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you.